Alright. Red Solo Cups. Check. Cool Sunglasses. Check. Killer Dwarfs Album. Check. We're ready to get this party started. Oh. Hey, John. You were, uh, you're the first one here, so I guess we can get this party started. You've been bad! I'm Eric. And I'm John. And as fans of horror, our goal is to weigh the merits of films based on three categories, production, monster quality, and scare factor, to decide whether to admit them into our sacred horror canon. And this podcast will put horror movies to the test to determine what to watch next, what's worth revisiting, and what to recommend to the uninitiated. Number two pencils ready? And begin. Let's get this party started. All right. So um, we are uh, watching three movies this week yeah we had to double up on the g's yeah um so we're talking about ghoulies um the gate and hellraiser judgment so it's like we've got 80s movies and then 80s throwback (laughs) yeah yeah so we're working our way along the abcs of terror so let's begin with ghoulies uh released in 1984 Directed by Luca Bercovici, uh, written by Luca Bercovici and Jeffrey Levy, starring Peter Liapis as Jonathan Graves, Lisa Pelican as Rebecca, Michael DeBarnes as Malcolm Graves, Jack Nance as Wolfgang, and personal favorite of mine, Scott Thompson as Mike. <laughs> um, the IMDb review... Um, Reads, a young man and his girlfriend move into an ancient, into an old mansion home where he becomes possessed by a desire to control ancient demons. <laughs> or, I mean, we can take the explanation the movie itself gives of the <laughs> plot where someone asks the main character, Jonathan, how? And he says, don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> because we don't need it's to nonsense you. yeah <laughs> it's just silliness that happens in his basement occult basement it is yeah. um oh, so let's start with production and this, this is where i have a problem with this movie okay uh the film is timeless in the power and effectiveness of its writing direction acting cinematography special effects iconography and portrayal of its subject matter i mean it, it opens with jack nance holding a baby i mean Holding a crying baby. Like, <laughs> talk about timeless. Oh, <laughs> uh, the opening, yeah, the opening I'm okay with. I it what's interesting about both these movies, and I didn't necessarily have this connection in mind suggesting them, but it's like this weird fantasy 80s satanic panic. It's, yeah. It's almost like the overflow of the satanic panic. Well, it's like, no, let's just make that into a fun fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, experience with little creatures in little creatures yeah there's a little creature phenomenon going on uh in the 80s so 84 when this came out right mm-hmm. so we've also got gremlins yeah happening i'm mm-hmm. sure critters is somewhere in there somewhere yeah um, um i believe gremlins came out a year or two before this mm-hmm. and so yeah of course i feel like every movie studio would want to try to find their yeah (laughs) and they found it with ghoulies did you see how many ghoulies there were i think there's four there weren't as many as i thought there would be (laughs) you wanted more i wanted more ghoulies um (laughs) i think they were like some of the most interesting and inventive stuff in the movie i mean i think i yeah i would agree with you there oh uh, puppet master is another one i was thinking of too it's kind of in the same vein it's like there are almost these different classes of them and they Mm -hmm. have their own backstory for each one okay well we don't have any backstory for these ghoulies no but that's what i mean even... i think there is there's like there's a water one there's a werewolf looking creature one they don't yeah. really have backstories but they have like their domains i guess yeah 
Yeah, I guess so. Are they even called ghoulies in the movie? I don't no. think I hear it, that word used once. No. <laughs> no, it, it, it's just the things that they... Does he call them demons at one I point? I think they're demons. Demons? Yeah. Yeah. I guess ghoulies would imply, right, that... I think um, the main uh, sorcerer guy that comes back, he's more of a ghoulie, right? Yeah. Oh, he's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, he knows exactly what movie he's in mm-hmm. because he is playing at camp the whole time. I Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so I think production... The score, the music in this is all over the place. I don't understand what's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah, and I also would say the voiceover is totally I wrote that down too. The, yeah, the narration comes out of nowhere and is completely unnecessary. It's like, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, but it I makes mean, it feel fantasy-like, I think, with that narration. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the storyteller is going to tell us about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh, also, um, like another special effect is the green eyes. And... <laughs> it, doesn't match up sometimes. Yeah, it looks like Jonathan has a lazy eye or two lazy eyes if they're going in different directions. Um, Yeah, I mean, not the best uh, special effects. Although, for Goblin Rejects from Labyrinth, I guess the puppets are okay. (laughs) It's a good way to describe them. They definitely are. Except their faces aren't as expressive. Uh Uh-uh. And that's something that I'll mention again in the other Little Monster movies. It seems like in the 80s they had trouble with getting expressive faces. Although that's not true because in Gremlins they're expressive. Yeah, yeah. Like Gizmo has like a really expressive face. Well, I think it's the it's the difference in the technique, right? I feel like the ghoulies are more puppets, where Gremlins are a little bit more puppet animatronics. And then um, in The Gate, it's more... Um, what is it called? Like kind of like green screen kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like an overlay, um, just to make them smaller. Stop animation too, a little bit. I feel like, um, but yeah. So with I, I would agree. The ghoulies are the best part. The lightning effects are dumb. Um, but they're they're the best part if you're willing to just go. take this as a cheesy '80s movie. Because I think a big part of this movie is this like disturbing story of a guy who um gets into satanism and you kind of get the characters around him question his sanity mm-hmm. um i would almost like to see a version of this where you don't see the ghoulies until the very end you just see him like performing these <laughs> these spells and you're like He's crazy. Like he's <laughs> lost his mind. <laughs> he's just he's just reading a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I think for like thinking about it as other characters in the film, that's what they see. And that is like a very psychological story, but it's told in this, you know, kind of fantasy satanic panic way yeah i think in terms of the writing though and, and the characters in this it's it's it falls into those same like roles and cliches that we saw in like friday the 13th um where you just have the group of people you got the druggy people you got the slutty people you yeah. got the jockey people like yeah yeah let's try a ritual <laughs> yeah <laughs> just like of yeah. course any party that just transitions into satanic rites. It just... And they do that in the gate, too. They're like, uh, light as a feather. Mm -hmm. What is it? Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Yeah. Did you ever do that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. (laughs) Did it work? Did you hit the light fixture (laughs) in the ceiling? No. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So so anyway, I I agree. It is just full of cliches. Um, And the really over-the-top stuff is kind of what makes it a little bit charming. But... It's not consistent, I think. Yeah, I think it's like what we talked about before. Um, I think in our last discussion, it's like if it just had a little, if a little bit more self-aware, mm-hmm. it might be interesting. If it was as self-aware as Killer Clown, jo- well, as Jonathan's father. if everybody just got on board yeah yeah like he did then it would have been a phenomenal movie
but it's like the thing too is that so how long has it been i guess like 20 years yeah is that the timeline yeah because he was taken as a baby Mm -hmm. so i mean he's gonna be way more decomposed than that he just looks like i don't know it, the makeup effects are terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but I agree with you. And I think that um, it's been a while since I've seen Ghoulies 2, but I, I want to say that in the second one, I feel like the Ghoulies are more of the focus. They're kind of like... It's like Gremlins 2. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what did you think about the um, uh, the little people demons? Uh, <laughs> they also summoned. Uh the, the, that was cringe-worthy. The plot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was also like every 80s fantasy movie. Yeah. It reminded me of, um, there's another 80s movie, is it called like The Explorers or The Travelers or The Time Travelers? Where it's like a, a Time band. Bandits? Time Bandits. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. That's what they reminded me of. Mm-hmm. But in a demonic kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so... Um, I, I can't give it a point. I'm not going to give it a point either. Yeah. Um, so for monster quality... <clears throat> the film's monsters are frightening, clearly relate to archetypal fears and have depth. Like I said, I think it's like a cartoon version of the satanic panic. Yeah, it's because you, you have people who are like in this cult mixed in with these little puppet demons that are supposed to be i wouldn't say cute but just they they have that they look like they just stepped out of a muppets movie <laughs> and so um they're they're just too small and puppet like to be intimidating or scary or anything mm-hmm. um it's just goofy yeah do they do they have powers I don't even think they have powers. They're supposed to be like gremlins where like they can hide and are supposed yeah. to like cause mischief, but I don't think they really do anything. It's just uh what's his name? Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not until mischief. the very it's not until the very end when, you know, the the moment you've been waiting for when all the friends start getting attacked by by them that they even mm-hmm. start doing things. The mm-hmm. rest of the time they're just kind of walking around, sneaking around. Mm-hmm. So who are like okay? So who is our monster? Obviously, uh, we've got the main sorcerer, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think there's anything. But what does death. he want? Does he just want to live forever? Ultimate power. power. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All sure. right. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. There's there's just not not much there. No. It's it's pretty surface level. I feel like the movie is can be summed up in the break dancing that happens at the party. Like that's how this movie feels to me. It's just a bad break dance. Okay. <laughs> Trying to do all the moves, but it's really <laughs> not effective. Yeah. It's like um I like a good occult movie. Mm-hmm. I mean I I do too. And, and you know, there there are, can be fun movies with a group of young people. You know, being picked off one by one. Um, but this this movie is like Scott Thompson's glasses. You, he, he may take a pair off, but there's still another pair there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. if there's no... <laughs> if, if you think there's... If you think you're you're ever going to get something out of it, you're you're just not. <laughs> I'm leaving it at that. Yeah, I'm not giving it a point. Okay, neither am I. Yeah. <laughs> well, and before you started recording, you said you liked this one more than the gate. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, all right. So, uh, scare factor film has a clear intent to scare and must be successful in that objective from beginning to end. I don't think it has an intent to scare. It, it wants to again. It, it's just wanting to tell this. Sort of a cult story. It's always. I think it's supposed to be scary. Like, what are we supposed to be? Are we supposed to be scared of um, satanic cults that operate in old houses, try to murder babies? You know, I'm. Maybe just because we've watched a lot of cheesy eighty movies lately, but I'm kind of curious about the relationship between horror and comedy 
and like hmm. just why so many movies pair them together uh maybe it's to maybe they're trying to create and break the tension um i mean it's like what we talked about in get out um there there is comedy in there and it's used effectively to create these like waves of mm-hmm. tension and discomfort I so, think that's where so this maybe one I guess it has yeah, and that makes sense. And I, I think we talked about that even on our first episode about Evil Dead Two. Yeah. So I, I guess maybe I'm just, you know, puzzled by movies that are just not successful in <laughs> in balancing the two. Yeah. Because with this movie, like, what is its purpose? Um, mm-hmm. Is it meant to just be a cheesy? fun movie or is it meant to be some something more and so so the intent if it is there it's not clear mm-hmm. um and so I, I i do think the clown doll was a little creepy um yeah, yeah. but other than that i mean there's really nothing mm-hmm. i guess gosh it'd be a stretch but like losing yourself that's what happens to the main character, right? Like he isolates himself from his loved ones in the pursuit of some sort of like power himself. Yeah, I, I told you it would be a lot more like psychological and interesting if you if we didn't see the demons until the very <laughs> end. If if we just saw him isolate himself and become obsessed with this, yeah. and we saw we were really able to kind of like see it through the friend's eyes yeah, as being concerned for their friend. But because we know these little demon creatures exist, it just yeah takes any kind of suspense out of it. Yeah, that's a, I, I'd be interested in seeing that remake. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> okay, I'll get on that. All right. I don't want to put it in the diaper, though, because it is like... It's non-canonical. It's yeah. not in the diaper. Yeah, it's not a waste of time. But Mm-mm. it's not. It's a piece of nostalgia. It's not one I'm really going to recommend. No. It's just there. <laughs> it's just that my brother likes it. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, all right, let's talk about the gate. The gate was released in 1987, directed by Tibor Takis, written by Michael Nankin. Starring Stephen Dorff as Glenn, Krista Denton as Al, Lewis Tripp as Terry, Kelly Rowan as Lori Lee, and Jennifer Irwin as Linda Lee. Uh, premise, two young boys accidentally release a horde of nasty pint-sized demons from a hole in a suburban backyard. What follows is a classic battle between good and evil as the two kids struggle to overcome a nightmarish hell that literally begins to take over the earth. Yeah. So production. Um, I, <clears throat> I think uh, there are a few effects that I think hold up in the movie, but then a few that don't. Um, Where does the dog hold up? <laughs> <laughs> Which dog? The fake dog that they throw around the house? <laughs> or the real dog that's probably 16 years old? <laughs> the stuffed dog cracked me up every time. Oh, man, when it's in the car and then he yeah. finally like goes to bury it. It's so obviously yeah. a stuffed dog. It looks like yarn. It looks like the yeah. hair yarn. Yeah, it looks like they picked it up at a toy shop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's like the different, um, for example, when the parents come to the house and and it's um, what's his name? Is it Troy? Uh, what's the redhead? Kid's I don't name? remember. Um, Terry. Terry. Um, when his par- uh, when his mom comes to the door and the, all of the parents coming to the door, I think is genuinely creepy. And then when he, like he reaches his hand in and it comes into like slime, um, I like that part. I do think the the scenes where something breaks off into other pieces like mm. the man falls and breaks Turns apart into yeah. the little men um i thought those were cool effects but again with with the little demon things like they just have these plastic inexpressive faces mm-hmm. that 
just take any kind of creep factor out of it. Yeah, and there's really, I mean, I guess there doesn't have to be logic to demons, but they could be anything. They could be demons. They could be aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're... Their design seems... It's like with Chud. It's like the creature almost had no purpose. Why? Unless at the end... The end, he kind of looks like the thing that's in the record album. Like with the number of arms and stuff. And he's like serpent-like. Yeah. But still... I wonder... I mean, did you see this as a kid? Yeah. Did it scare you as a kid? Yeah. I could tell that. Like, I could tell that this... Kind of reminded me of Ernest Scared Stupid. Yeah. Where, like, there are parts of that that scared me, but I know if I watched it now, it would be corny. Yeah. And, I mean, this is pretty clearly a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like for a kid, especially of that time, I think it, it would be a, a really effective horror movie. Um, but as a 31-year-old, um, it just didn't do much for me. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's exactly what it is. I think this is a, a movie kind of like Ghoulies. It just has a piece of nostalgia. It did scare me. Like, I think this is the the movie where the first time that, I think this was the first sort of like satanic themed movie that I ever saw. Like demonic, like with the record playing backwards uh-huh. thing, which is so silly. Yeah. But how that metal music, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, it, it did. It really got to me that there's some like the scary parts like every time i see a bug zapper i think of this movie really and that scene with the moths on the window like that stuck with me that's really creepy mm. when the moths come in the effects are really lame and stupid it looks like he's just batting it air but yeah um but just the idea of that scene like all these bugs come to the window and breaking uh yeah it really stuck with me or the people inside the walls mm. like the mm-hmm. guy inside the wall kind of thing yeah like when they're that like that part at the end, when you think it's solved, I think it's after they throw the Bible in the hole, right? And then they're in the basement, and the um, the man in the walls sort of breaks through. Or um, even when he's in the closet and he grabs him. Like, I feel like those are classic, like, kid scare things. Like, those mm-hmm. are things that kids are afraid of. Yeah. <clears throat> so because I think they, hadn't, they haven't seen them done before. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so that always stuck with me. So, I don't know. They... I feel like the kid acting in this movie is okay. Stephen Dorff, like the main. Steve, Stephen Dorff, I didn't mean just just the kid actors oh, in this movie yeah. are not awful like they're we've fine. seen. I feel like there there's better acting in this movie than in Ghoulies with that group. I know you're gonna say with the, I, the lead, yeah, guy, the lead warlock. You can't guy. see my expression, but I am a little taken aback. But. <laughs> Again, I guess it, it just comes down to purpose. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the kids were believable as kids, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, they were fine. Yeah. Um, some of the dialogue was really, really bad. Yeah. Um, it does not <laughs> hold up well at all. Um, so I'm not going to give it a point. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not going to give it a point. Even the, uh, just thinking about the writing, the idea that, the rocket is filled with love and can kill the demon. <laughs> it's a little silly. I kind of checked out by then. The love rocket? The love rocket. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe there, maybe there is a lot of depth. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, I, I'm not going to give it a point. What about monster quality? So, how do you feel about the... We've been talking about the demons. Um, it's all in the records, man. Yeah. So, again, I, I was kind of checking out by the end. So, like... They're there to take over the world um, because they're evil. Yeah, hell on earth. Hell on earth. Okay. It's like and, an and evil, so in the backyard, it's like an evil just, dead. Right. Um, so, so the backyard, it, it was just uh, like, it just had a, like a portal to hell. Like a gate to hell. Yeah. Okay. But there's no explanation for like why it's there. <laughs> no. <laughs> It was just under a tree. They well, I think what happened is is that maybe it was a portal that was partway open by the lightning strike. There's like that premonition that Stephen Dorff has in the very beginning of the mm-hmm. new movie about all of this, and then they open the doorway all the way with the with the mm-hmm. with the record. 
<laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's just very black and white. I mean, yeah. Demons are evil. Um, <laughs> they want to kill the kids. Um, I don't know. There, there just wasn't. <clears throat> It also just wasn't very memorable, too. Like, I'm having a hard time even, like, picturing, like, the final monster. Yeah, it's it's just a stop animation mm-hmm. kind of deal. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, there's really no depth to this movie. <laughs> there's no motivation of the tiny demons or the big demons mm-hmm. or just the fears that they're playing with. I feel like even... So, in the... I didn't even think about this as like a sub subgenre, but like a kid's horror. Mm-hmm. So something like um, it or Poltergeist or um... Poltergeist, I think more be- better fits in that. It is about kids, but it's not really a kids movie. Now, do you feel like Poltergeist is a kids movie? I think it feels like parts of it. Yeah, a kids yeah. movie. Um, I mean, I, I watched that one when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, it kind of has that Spielberg-esque quality. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking of these as like sort of like fantastic. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. 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 More like a fantasy quality. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, this So this definitely fits in there. Because um, I think like like what you read in the, um, in the premise is it's a battle against good and evil. Like that's a very like fantasy genre type thing like we have to stop the evil wizard yeah you have to yeah you have to save the world Mm -hmm. um so i think for that since we're having trouble with it like i can't give it a point right and scare factor like we just talked about it's more nostalgic than Mm -hmm. anything that's really scary yeah other than don't leave your kids alone (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can imagine, like, I can totally imagine it being scary for a kid. I mean, your parents come home and they try to kill you and, you know, (laughs) uh, yeah, the, um, you know, things in the wall and uh, little demons there. Yeah, I think it it could work really well for the kids. But like I said, it, um, as a kid, it would be new for someone who is a horror fan it's been done better elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not going to give it a point either. So, not in the diaper. Not in the diaper. I'll save them for Sadie the to watch okay. in a year or two. She'll yeah. Be five, yeah. So. It'd be a good kind of <laughs> intro for, for kids. Um, you can have a double feature with this and our next movie <laughs> Hellraiser <laughs> Judgment. Um, this was released in 2018, written and directed by Gary J. Tunacliffe. Starring Damon Carney as Sean Carter, Randy Wayne as David Carter, Alexandra Harris as Christine Edgerton, Heather Langenkamp as the landlady, kind of a blink and you miss it role, Um, Paul T. Taylor as Pinhead, and Gary J. Tunacliffe as the auditor. Uh, Premise. Detective Sean and David Carter are on the case to hunt down a gruesome serial killer terrorizing the city. Joining forces with Detective Christine Edgerton, they dig deeper into a spiraling maze of horror that may not be of this world. Could the judgment awaiting the killer's victims also be waiting for Sean? Mm. All right, production. Uh, so, what do you think about the? Uh, what do you think about the writing, character development? So, I guess we should start. Should we start with the? Like the Cenobite characters. Yes. I feel like this operates in two different worlds that then collide. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about. Um, and I like one storyline way better than the other. Yes. Um, I thought the the first 10 minutes were amazing. Um, the whole mix of bureaucracy and the sadism of, of the Cenobites. It just, it was so weird and shocking and it felt new it was like yes this is a new hellraiser um a new take um and so i really loved the cenobite stuff the yeah absolutely i'm totally on board the the intro dialogue between 
the auditor and pinhead mm-hmm. was a little like on the nose and forced in the beginning. It was and it why not just start the movie and this is what I write why not just start with the first guy going in? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think they wanted an explanation for why the house exists, and I don't know if it needs you don't that. Need it. And I think the, start with the vomit. Let's I think go. the premise that they give is is weak, mm-hmm. where it's you know, the box, the puzzle box doesn't work anymore because of technology, which like that doesn't even make sense. Whatever. Hellraiser went to space before this. Tell, and there was like a whole like technology movie. Yes. Um, but I, I I don't know. I I just think that take like saying technology changes things it's just so expected and not true i mean technology numbs you out it doesn't make you more sadistic see and but and that's what i thought too and maybe this wasn't the intent but this is my reading of it is that the reason why there's this bureaucracy for this um and for these cinnabites is because uh people's desires are becoming intensified and unsatiated so they have to come up with this bureaucratic process to deal with the overflow. Like it can't just be people who find a random box. It's mm-hmm. like they're just getting so many people. They got to break down the task yeah. of, of torturing these souls. Mm-hmm. So we need a process. And that's kind of how I read the house just by itself. It's like this is why Pinhead needs to hire some help. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was fine with that. I was like totally on board mm-hmm. um, with every single bit of that. Yeah. Where, I think we didn't even need Pinhead. No, no. I mean, I and I'm okay that he's kind of like a side note until the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we'll save. Maybe we'll save the ending for the the monster sure quality. Yeah. But um, I think other things with this, the 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 sound effects, the score, uh, like right on board with it. Um, I really love the makeup. Um, yeah, the, the practical effects. effects absolutely. Um, I mean, Gary J. Tunicliffe, he's a makeup artist, mm-hmm. he's a special effects artist, and so. Um, it makes sense that it's all just very well done. I love the look of the auditor. Yes. Um, just and as a character, I think he is a great addition to the Hellraiser mm-hmm. universe. Um, and that's what and that's the thing. Like some reviews that are reading online, people are saying there wasn't enough new. Like you're not doing anything new or different. And I I totally disagree with that. I think bringing in that extra character. Yeah. It's good. I don't think people were upset about the 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 women part. Oh, um, I thought it was gratuitous. It was like, come on, it's it's Hellraiser. Like they skin a guy. Yeah. Like you're you're being mad about some breasts, but like they skin somebody. I mean, and it wasn't really meant to arouse or titillate. I mean, no, it was gross. Yeah. Um, and it showed the male. I mean. I can't. I guess I can't make the comparison, but it did show a male body, just really grotesque too. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I, that whole process it was it was creepy. Um, it was it was disgusting, and also there was a logic to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I loved it. So let's move on then, I guess, to the other kind of plot, which is yeah. the preceptor killer. And that's where it loses me because I feel like in my understanding after watching all these Hellraiser movies is that, okay, like on board with the Cenobites, I love the world that they operate in. Mm-hmm. What makes an effective Hellraiser movie to me is one that also has that solid side story of the character who gets to mm-hmm. Pinhead. Yeah. And, you know, that's what we loved about the first one is there's, like, so much drama and sin going on it's with the very, characters. Yeah, and it's a very small story, too. Yep. This just gets out of control. It's like, it, it was like watching Seven. I mean, that's all that was happening with the killers. That wasn't new or exciting. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the twist? Where he is the killer? Well, that that was extremely obvious. So dumb. But, like, I didn't... Why couldn't he just be a good guy? I think the ending makes up for it. Like, in context of the whole story, I I feel like I could defend it. But as just as a plot twist, it yeah, it was was pretty obvious. It didn't do much for me. Um, 
none of the characters are really likable or um, particularly memorable, even. Um, and so that part is, and even what about the the dog in the <laughs> belly? Yeah. Um, oh, I was gonna say even um, the uh, Christine. Uh, talks about like the office and how it's like what is this old detective yeah office it's just they could have done a lot more to make it feel new because i mean one of the hellraiser movies the one of the direct-to-video ones that we haven't talked about yet is about like a really like rough grim detective um or private eye or something. I think I've seen that one. Isn't it like it goes into his hell? Like it just something like, like that. on on a loop or something. And so we've sort of seen that before. <clears throat> and not just in this franchise either, just other movies. We've seen the the grim uh detectives. Mm-hmm. And so I, I sort of wish that they were able to do something else with that. But again, I think I think it pays off. Okay. Um, well, let's talk about. So, I, do you want to give it a point for production? The the effects. I do. My the effects only in con- the whole story is enough for me to want to give it a point. Yeah. My only concern is that I, I I'm a Hellraiser fan, and so I feel like someone who is not a Hellraiser fan wouldn't get wouldn't enjoy it as much as I did. Um, and so I don't know if that's coloring my bias, but I want to give it a point too. Yeah. I, and I don't think that's the thing. Like as a movie by itself, I don't, you couldn't just walk into this. I don't think because the box would have very little I meaning. I think you have to watch the first, first one. one. I think you, I mean, somebody in the second choosing this, I hope would be aware that it's a franchise. Yeah. The colon gives it away. <laughs> it's also, I mean, it's direct to video, so you're not going to seek it out unless you, you know want it's, yeah. Yeah, unless you want to. So, yeah, so I, production, I do want to give it a point. And I, even those effects and stuff, it's a, it's lower budget, but I feel like it's well executed. I, I don't know. I think it looks good. Yeah, I like the look of it. <clears throat> okay. All right, so what about monster quality? Um, so we talked about liking this. The Cenobites. Mm-hmm. But what about, so in that parallel, or I, thought, I guess it's the main storyline, who who are our monsters? Like, is it supposed, it's supposed to be the serial killer who ends yeah, up also being the killer, di- Sean. Yeah. Um, Perceptor. That bothered me a little bit. Why? I don't know. Too close to perception? I don't know. I mean, and they make that connection at the end, but with Ecclesiastes. I, I mean, I, I looked up the term and it is like a teacher, and so okay, it makes sense. It's just sort of a clumsy name. Um, it's hard to come up with like a really good serial killer name. Yeah, <laughs> they're all taken, especially if that serial killer has a gimmick, which mm-hmm. like this one clearly does, mm-hmm. and so I mean, it's it just. Like, all of this has been done before. Yeah, like you yeah. said, with Seven. Um, it's exactly Seven. Yeah. They just choose different <laughs> mm-hmm. sins and yeah. kills. But, um, but I mean, I guess what's interesting about that killer is that he is supported by God to maintain a, a balance between good and evil. Yeah. And, and he believes that. We find out that he's been believing that the whole time. And then that's also confirmed with the ending. Yeah. Um, it's almost like... Oh, I, well, See, for me, that's the real Let's talk about twist. the ending. But it felt like just like a John Constantine ending. Oh, we're going to send him back. It reminded me Even of Frailty. Bad. Have you seen that yeah. one? Yeah. Which I really like. Yeah. I think Frailty does it better. I think so, too. It also did it first. Um but here, yeah, so they send him back, but then he dies right away. Yeah. Um, because I was okay with that. Yeah, because it's like a sign, sign of, like, Pinhead is becoming um, 
to ambitious um and so he, he he basically starts a war with god in heaven for no reason other than he's a hellraiser <laughs> and yeah. um he's yeah he's he doesn't care about punishment what's the worst thing that you can do to me and then so, so you know as a monster i think he is interesting in this movie because he has because he does something interesting um yeah he's not just torturing yeah yeah he he is ambitious and all i mean he's punished right away and it's an interesting punishment i i would feel like if they are going to make a sequel to this then they would have a place to go with like pinhead trying to like get his powers back or something yeah. I've never really been interested in Pinhead with that. like, like the person who was who who became Pinhead. Yeah, like in the original movies. Um, but I sort of like this idea of Pinhead being reduced to a human and trying to work his way. Here, here's my problem with that though, because like I feel like from uh, reading the novella, uh, also the first movie. The thing that I liked about the Cenobites and I liked about Pinhead is it was sort of removed from that angel demon thing. Like you don't know what they are. You don't know if they're angels or they're demons. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's that line he has too? It's like some call us angels, some call us something. something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he has that line in the first movie. And that's what I really enjoyed about it because like it wasn't that they were good or bad. It's just their perception of pleasure mm-hmm. was this really dark, like extreme negative place. And I like that sort of that that tension that that created. I feel like with the ending of this movie, it simplifies that. Well, Pinhead's bad. Then, you know, the people dre- the people dressed in black are bad. The people dressed in white are good. Right, but then that that the also end. you know, we I mean, that explains the beginning too in the whole bureaucracy. I mean, it's punishment. Yeah, it's it kind of takes the whole pleasure element out of it. Yeah, that's what I didn't like about it. It like simplified it as him being um, a Satan or a, yeah, that or that is devil. true. That it, is it, true. It took it took it to a different place for me where maybe that was implied at some points, but that to me was never what Hellraiser was. He wasn't the devil. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like this movie kind of forced you into that. Yeah. Um, although, have you read? Um, the Scarlet Gospels by Clive Barker. Uh-uh. It's pretty recent. It came out a year or two ago. And it's like his return to Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. His, you know, Pinhead is a, a main character. And some people like that book. Um, I don't... It didn't really do much for me. I don't remember too much of it. But um, in that, he's definitely more of like... Uh, a satanic figure i mean mm-hmm. he, he's called the hell priest mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that and so mm-hmm. um i think there there has to be a connection to hell for him um isn't isn't that how he's described in the hellbound heart as a priest of hell or something like that yeah but i don't know if he's describing himself that way or if it's the narrator or if it's the characters doing it i don't know yeah I have to look back at it but i mean even the hellbound heart i mean implies that he's going to hell but I, I don't think but i think what bothers me is this simplistic definition of what hell is it's offered in this movie versus the other one it's like this this very strict line between good and evil that's drawn at the end of this movie gets rid of some of the ambiguity that's in the first ones. Okay. I, I will agree with that. You, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's what bothers them for me. And that's where like all that depth and the stuff that I enjoyed about the beginning of this movie kind of fell apart. I think maybe too is me trying to recover from the stupid twist <laughs> that he, where he's the killer. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, that kind of got me off the boat for a little bit. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, uh, then the auditor came back. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I, I I am not inclined to give it a point for monster quality 
for that reason about Hellraiser, but also because the other monsters are seemingly non-existent in the outside world. You know what I mean? Like, can we say that there's any other monster besides the serial killer? I mean, is it supposed to be sin or temptation or uh, righteousness, maybe? Yeah, I guess I guess punishment um, and um, this idea that... Is, is it that, like, God needs evil in order to have good, so he... You know, good your monstrous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it. I feel like it's touched on, like, at the very end. So I I don't know if that's like fully developed. Um. So I I will agree that it it does simplify the Cenobites. However, I I still feel like the the judgment, the punishment mm-hmm. of of those characters is it provides enough depth. I mean, yeah, I think the, how they're judged is really interesting. The uh, the other brother, David, who is having an affair with uh, Sean's wife, um, like they are both like damned for eternity. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminded me of the last Hellraiser movie we saw where I think at the end, someone is just like taken by Pinhead for like no reason. Mm -hmm. And like that idea I think is scary when you think about just eternal pain and torment. Mm -hmm. um, It, it can be scary. So I'm I'm inclined to give it a point, but I totally understand and support your not giving it a point. <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> I like it when we disagree. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so monster quality not a point. What about scare factor? That's kind of what you're alluding to. I, I agree. I it's the <laughs> the idea that uh your judgment is just a bureaucracy and mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like, hey, I have a a book with all the things that you do. It's like, mm-hmm. I, that's what I liked about this movie is it offers sort of the anti pearly gates yeah. scenario. It's like, Oh, let me look at all the things you've done in your life in this big book or slideshow mm-hmm. or whatever. Somebody sitting on a pedestal is like, no, you have to explain all the bad things mm-hmm. you do knowing that the person typing it knows everything yeah. and you have to fess up to it. And then it goes to <laughs> some dude that just <laughs> eats, eats your it, life story, vomits it. Yeah. And then the jury, yeah, they eat it, eat his vomit. What do they do? I, I think they just have it on them. Do they eat it? They do something with it. They wash in it. <laughs> yeah. Look, they eat what it and sort of bathe in it. I can't remember. Um, and then they also bathe in the blood of the people, like once they get on the table. Yeah, yeah. So they clean him. Yeah. Which is like so disgusting like yeah. yeah um and then the person comes out of the big guy's backpack and yeah <laughs> uh basically flays flays him alive and um yeah the, yeah. the jury bathes in his blood yeah. so i can i just love that whole i know sequence it's great it's so good um, um, it's not the whole movie though. Um, but I, I think it's enough for me to give it a I point. think the, ten, yeah, I, the, when we talk about it being, um, a creation of tension, like I was definitely squirming in parts, mm-hmm. um, of the movie. I think there's enough tension again till the very, very end. Um, it doesn't last. Like once you figure out that it's going to go that direction, that he's the killer, mm-hmm. it, it just it just loses me. Yeah. Um, so it kind of ruins the scare factor for me. But um, but I am inclined to give it a point because it is so strong in the beginning, and even at the end, there's that that tension returns once they're there for the judgment part, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, I'll give it a point. So okay. honorable mention. Yeah, yeah. Honorable I think it's mention. there. I mean, of the sequels, this is like a strong. 
Yeah, I mean, Con- I, I have to contender say it's, for me. it's also sort of a comment on the quality of the other sequels. But yeah, I think <laughs> this is like my favorite sequel to the original. Yeah, even this, I would say even the second one. Yeah, I remember when we reviewed me. it, it it was a little disappointing. Yeah. Um, and so this one, yeah. It's like it's like in the second one, it's almost like they go too far into the hellscape. Yeah. Like they go too far into it and it gets like weird, but not in a good way. Whereas yeah. in this one, it's like they go into the hellscape just a little bit, just enough, mm-hmm. keeps it weird, but they don't show well. <laughs> They don't show us how all of the sausage is made. Let's yeah. put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, then we have uh, one for honorable mention and two that are not in the canon this week. Phew. Big week. I know. Didn't mean for it. I just had to. Yeah. The G's just got a little yeah. ahead of me. Um, but uh, we're going to move right through the alphabet. Um, so next time... Uh, we are on I and J. I, I is for it. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about uh, the recent um, Stephen King movie, It, 2017, not the miniseries. Um, <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, and J is for Jaws. Yeah. So you kind of have two blockbusters. Next. Yeah. Didn't think about it that way. Yeah. We were um for for this one for G and H we were kind of in hell. We were totally for all in hell. of them. Yeah. Which I was not on purpose. And so for no. that one we're going to be Yeah. We're going to be on the East Coast for both. Right? That's true. What? Is yeah. it Martha's Vineyard for Jaws? Well, Amity. Amity. Yeah. And then where are we in it? Derry. Derry, Maine. In Maine. Yeah. Which is not a real place, but... But still, like, similar location. Yeah, right to Bangor. Yep. Cool. All right, so you can check out more episodes on unoyasolstice.com, E-U-N-O-I-A-S-O-L-S-T-I-C-E. Follow us on Twitter at the underscore terror underscore test. Pencils down, the terror test is over.